This week's episode of the Sports Initiative podcast is brought to you by Scoop. Here's Pippa to tell you more. Hi, my name's Pippa. I'm co-founder of a new sports nutrition startup, and I'm here to tell you about my company, Scoop. Scoop is a new sports nutrition brand in compostable pots. Over the last 18 months, we've developed the first pod-based nutrition shaker that allows you to make an easy, mess-free fitness shake in three simple steps. Pop it, shake it, drink it. Scoop's unique system offers many benefits. You can change flavors and supplement whenever you want. It's fast, easy and mess-free to prepare. Our pods are easily transportable so you can take them on the go. And it's 100% compostable. Our first blend, the Workout Whey, is a whey isolate protein drink made from only natural ingredients and is available in three delicious flavours. Want to try Scoop? You're in luck. On the 22nd of June at 1pm, we're launching Scoop via Kickstarter. By supporting Scoop on Kickstarter, you can save up to 45% on your order and will help us make Scoop a reality. Follow us on Instagram at scoop underscore en and for more information, check out www.scoopnutrition.es. Thanks. As today's its release date, make sure you go and secure your product now. This week on the Sports Initiative podcast, I sit down with Head of Coaching at Cardiff City, David Hughes. He discusses the culture created at FWA and how this has transcended across all the age groups, what he's noticed about the cultures at the variety of different professional clubs he's worked at, such as Aston Villa, Watford and Southampton, as well as the balancing act of individual player development combined with team performance. Oh, and as you hear, do us a favour and make sure you share us with friends and family as we're continuously looking to grow the audience. I hope you enjoy. Perfect. So Dave, first of all, thanks very much for giving up some of your Friday morning. Um, how are you? Are you all safe and well? And did you enjoy the Wales game a couple of nights ago? Uh, yeah, very good. Um, we're, we're, all, we're all good. Um, it's been, uh, it, it, it's a fantastic achievement, isn't it, for, for Wales to um, qualify second year, a second tournament in, in, in succession. And then it's, it's probably... Uh, the response and and the the media coverage of what effectively was an away game with the amount of Turkish supporters, and then the level of performance uh, as a football fan first and foremost, it's they're inspiring the the the, the nation, the children to to want to play football. Um, fantastic role models. Um, there, there's clearly an outstanding team spirit. Um, and, and long may it continue. Let's hope it's the same in Rome on the weekend, which is effectively another away game. So the tournament has a different feel to it, but they're um, they're inspiring huge amounts of children to want to play football. So uh, that that's only a good thing. Yeah, I'm not sure how UEFA or um, yeah UEFA have done it in terms of making sure certain teams have got loads of home games. I know England have been fortunate at that, but it does seem a little bit unfair. Like with everyone obviously from Wales, they're basically just away three games in a row. Yeah, they, they, they did apply, I believe, to host a couple of games in the Millennium Stadium, but um, they went to Scotland instead. Um, so was, uh, I think Hampden Park had a couple of games. Um, England uh, have, have clearly got all games at, at home. So it's it's a home tournament for them, isn't it, to a point? Yeah. Uh, but again, it's it, equally, it's it's outstanding for, um, for it to have a, a home feel. You know, for, for English supporters, English players, um, similar to probably what Euro 96 was when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is good. And as you said, kind of the one thing I've said on this podcast before with, with the Welsh side is I love like the unity, both across all sports. Like you look at the rugby, you look at the football and stuff. You really have that kind of national identity. And obviously over this tournament and the last one, you can see how proud the team is making a nation. And then hopefully, I guess, on, on your end, you see more and more players coming into the academy and realise that they can go and compete in international tournaments. Yeah, you, you, you're absolutely right. Um, I, I mean, I, 
I worked at the FAW for just over two years in, in the last European tournament or, or at that time frame. Um, and so managed to have probably some access, which I never thought I'd, I'd ever dream of having as a supporter. Um, let alone to be to be covering the, the tournaments with some um, scouting for for opposition or potential opponents. Um, so got a real behind the scenes um, appreciation of of the attention to detail and the team spirit of of um, of the players and the staff and the togetherness and and the unity and and probably more importantly the culture. So how they've brought the supporters into that culture with the red wall. Um, the together stronger mantra is embraced and you can feel it and you can live it and, and uh, they live it and, and you can see it and it's, and it's evident. Um, there's, there's clearly friendship amongst team players and teammates. Um, is, is that always the same in every team? I, I, I don't know. Um, so, so that culture is, is not, words on a wall or, or a sticker or a document it's it's something which is lived and breathed and that's that's evident in the nation that's that's evident with, with a nation of three million people being able to compete at that level um is is a fantastic achievement um, and and there's a huge amount of people who deserve a, a significant amount of credit um gary speed started it off oshan roberts as technical director with with the development pathways um, Chris Coleman um, taking it on in, in difficult circumstances, having alignment in their, their player development pathways all the way through to their intermediate teams. Um, and, and you see the benefits of that now with players stepping in who have that greater and deeper understanding of what playing for Wales actually means. It's more than pulling a shirt on. It's more than, than turning up on an international camp. Um, th those values are, are hugely embedded and, and let's be honest they're writing uh, qualifying again for another major tournament they're, they're writing history aren't they um, and what a fantastic achievement that is for, for young players who you, you look at the makeup of the squad there's a, a good blend of experience and youth so four, six, eight years down the line there's, there's the experience of what it feels like and let's hope this is uh, a journey which is going to continue for as a, as a football supporter, as a Wales supporter, um, uh, and and equally someone who who loves football. Yeah, I think what what's been really interesting for me outside. I mean, you've got obviously your likes of Gareth Bale, Aaron Ramsey, who you know are well world class players playing at you know Juventus, Real Madrid. Um, etc. But I think one of the things that's interesting for me, and I guess is credit to the pathway, is the way those younger players come in. So you look at someone like Kiefer Moore, who's come through maybe not such a traditional pathway, but comes in and does well. Um, Roden, obviously coming in, that will come through Swansea, etc. And you've got players that are younger, but you can see almost inherently come in and buy into what what is. I guess being sold or what has been created from your experience there how do you think they live the mantras how do you think that the culture was created so it wasn't just a case of having words on a wall was there anything anything that was kind of um done specifically i think the players a sense of players took a part in, in understanding what what the mantra was around and and, and where it where it stemmed from if you look at the intermediate, well, let's look at the um, where they start the regional squads at twelve, at 13, 14, 15. Um, then they get into the 15, 16s where they start playing competitive fixtures. You know, there were there were there were examples where um, Cledwin Ashford, who who was um, who's a, 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 a an absolute gentleman. Who, who was around from from an educational perspective with with the boys on camp and worked as as one of the scouts at, at Wrexham and and for for the FAW would teach the boys the national anthem and they'd have to stand up in the hotel and sing it um, and that was a that became almost a ritual um, so that is a start as as one starting point is an understanding of what um, 
playing for Wales is about. And then it would be fair to say that Oshan, um, there's a number of staff uh, around in the background, Gus Williams, Oshan Roberts, um, who, who will be known to everybody. The level of attention to detail of teaching, you know, it was, uh, it was everything centered around teaching and educating. Um, the environment that they set was, was first class. Um, Geraint Williams, who, who was uh, my boss at the time with the intermediate teams, the same. It was come in and uh, the, the boys would come in and it was in creating a culture where the players wanted to be there. You know, we were quite the same as every national team. We're taking players from Liverpool, um, whoever else it might be. It has to be a, a level of trust that we're going to look after them. We're going to teach them. We're going to support them, um, which is, again, in my eyes, what, what development's about. And then when you look at the national team, Chris Coleman would be going around Wales, um, having question and answers, having engagement with supporters at, at different Welsh festivals, Eisteddfods, um, and, and would have a presence which was embedded in the Welsh culture. And so there, there will be far more examples than, than, than those. Um, so those players who come through that pathway, they have a link, they have a bond. Um, within the same age group now, I... I think Tyler Roberts, Ethan Ampadu, um, Joe Morrell, there's more, there's, there's uh, Mark Harris, Liam, Liam Cullen. Um, they, they would have been around about the same age coming through the regional squads. Ben Woodburn would have been another one. Uh, Matty, Matthew Smith, who's, who's away at the Euros as well. They would have come through similar age groups with a similar feel and a similar theme. And the key part about this all is, I suppose it wasn't really about, um, it was about nothing more than treating people properly, teaching them, coaching them and, and trying to make them a part of something that felt special. Um, and, and I think I've alluded to it, encouraging the boys to, to want to come back. We, we were having lads turn up on a, on a Sunday when we'd meet up with injuries and we're going to, you know, you, you're going to need to go back and you probably shouldn't have traveled. And it's like, yeah, but I just want to be here. I want to come because I enjoy it. And so, we, we, Geraint and I used to like that. We, we joke about it. We can't believe he's traveled three hours to come down to the hotel. Now we've got to send him back. And we go, well, that's, that's great that he wants to be here. And great that you want to come, but it's probably not right for you. Um, so yeah. That, and, and I suppose on, on reflection, um, it was, it was a really enjoyable period of time with, um, uh, from, from my perspective, working for, working for and with Geraint Williams, who's just a, uh, a wonderful, wonderful guy, really, really good coach, got a fantastic manner when, when dealing with players. And he had a, a, a huge impact on, on the young players coming through the pathway in the intermediate squads on, on the back of having a, a successful career as a manager himself. And, and, and when you look at the, the type of people, it's the people really, isn't it? You know, we, we've got, um, they've got a culture, but it's the people within that who played a, a, a real part in bringing that to life. And so how was that laid out to the staff? Because I imagine, you know, on that pathway, everyone's going to have different roles. What Chris Coleman's going to be doing at his end is going to be very different to what you're doing with the intermediary teams, etc. So how was that vision portrayed to the staff? And how did people get an understanding of, I guess, where their piece fit in a larger jigsaw, jigsaw moving forward? Um, I'd probably say it's a good question. It's probably real clarity. We'd have 17 games and Chris Coleman would be in the dressing room um, and, and giving messages that it, it's a bigger picture in, in, I suppose, there was a, a consistent, there was a style of play that was put, put together for a purpose. That style of play linked to the coach education pathway. So you start that the, the Carl Darlington at the, at the FAW and, and, and Oshin Roberts in particular was the, the style of play linked directly to what messages were being delivered in, in coach education. So you're in, you, you're clearly educating coaches on, on a Welsh way of playing on a Welsh way of coaching. Um, uh, so yeah, again, it's, um, it's far more complex and, and detailed than, than simply, uh, would say a mantra or, or words on a wall. And, and the key bit really is that it's, it was 100% believed. And um, everybody 
bought into it and, and delivered the same messages. And so having that identity around wherever you were staying and wherever you were traveling um, was, was hugely important. And it, and it, I suppose for the, for the Welsh team, it becomes part of uh, what, what they are, what, what they represent. Again, this could be quite challenging, but how do you deal with individuals, either coaches, etc., or players that maybe don't buy into that vision? Because you, you talk about like the legacy book and I think that all blacks know as no dickheads in the changing room. Um, so how how do you go about challenging behaviours that aren't aren't part of the identity that you want? Um, well, I suppose all of the staff have to be invested in it and have to have a buy-in, because the minute they, that that individual see there's a gap in the fence, your culture's gone. Because they once one gets through that gap in the fence, um, everybody else is going to follow suit. So that's a collective buy-in for for. In, in my eyes and if if you believe in it then you give no opportunity for that situation to arise because the staff are all aligned in their thinking and in their behaviors and so i suppose if we said um if we said well let's look at southampton with with their values if if those values are a really really essential the coaching staff will not allow a player to to get away with having no discipline let's say well if they go to the medical team and there, there needs to be an understanding of what discipline might look like in, in a medical room in a rehab session in an snc program in the canteen um, when when dealing with every member of staff everybody needs to have the same consideration for no no we don't do that here you know that's that's not what we do and then the communication back is still it, 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 this this individual might be providing the challenge um but we need to make sure we're all together in ensuring there's no gap in the fence room and that's when that's when you know in, in my eyes that's when you know if the culture is working because everybody has the same views and the same appetite to understand that right this is our job as coaches is to, or, or as a wider disciplinary teams, is to defend it. You know, because quite clearly, it, it's it's similar to, similar, no different with school, is it? You know, you you let one child get away with something or step through it, then that's really difficult to um, to ensure that other people don't follow. So there's treating people on individual merits, but there has to be some non-negotiables. And do you think that's where stripping it back and those key messages or values that you're going to hold being really simple or important because whilst there might be detail behind it i think if you have it really i guess intricate and whatnot at the top it can potentially be hard for each department to decipher exactly how that looks within their context yeah simplicity is always key isn't it um i'm not sure it, it you know it doesn't need to be as need to be complex and complicated can be really straightforward the, the key part in all of this is how how do you get the players to it's an interaction and a negotiation it's not a dictatorship so it's not this is what discipline is and this is what we do here this is not this is trust and this is how you're going to you're going to do it the the, the the most important factor in all of that is that in, in in my eyes and i'm clearly no expert on this um that there's uh, a discussion and an engagement with the players, with the staff to build uh, an environment which everybody believes will help drive success. Success may look different. So if, if I think back to different places I work, success, success in different organizations would be considered, so when, when uh, the time at the FAW uh, would be, Success for us was trying to get to the elite stages every year with every age group. You know, we wanted to progress to a European championship for an under 17s and a 19s for sure. Under 21s, absolutely. But it, it, we, we would say if we were getting to the um, elite stages, that, that would be considered as a success. And if we could get there consistently, then at one of those points, we'll drop on a group where we might be able to qualify for we came very close one year in the 70s. Um, we needed to win the last game, I think, against Sweden. 
um, and we ended up losing the game one nil. So so success there looks different. Um, it was it was yes, it was about winning, but that was never ever mentioned to to the boys. Winning has a part to play in development, but in our eyes, certainly in my my opinion, it does not drive development. Winning happens as a consequence of development. Um, is is how I view it, and then there's a number of factors that underpin that. But in in my eyes, it cannot be in front of development. So the image and and all of that, I I I, I don't buy it. The image is is in the first team. That that's the image. Get somebody in the first team at three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Um, if the team finished top of the league, bottom of the league, there's some some context behind it. Uh, uh, is it a young team? Is it an old team? If it's a young team, they're going to find it tough in the short term, but they'll be better in the long term. So all of those factors uh, are how you gauge success. And, and, and the understanding is your culture is around ensuring, uh, I, I kind of view it in, in, in my eyes as on a good day, what is it we're good at? And on a tough day, what is it we're still good at? What is it that underpins a, a, a difficult performance or a difficult session or, or so... Uh, as an individual, if I'm if I'm outstanding today, as in 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 a coaching session with our under seventeens, um, what is it I was outstanding at? And it might have been the technical and tactical side of the game, or or my my um, psychological component. In, in I was really confident and positive. Well, sitting underneath that is is a set of values which clearly underpin all of our performance characteristics. Because on a on a difficult day. I still, where my touch might be a little bit difficult or um, my um, the, the surface might be challenging. I'm just not having a good game. That's that's going to happen, isn't it? To say there's still five or six factors which are always there. So I can always fall back on. Um, and as a coach, you'd probably sit and go, we weren't great today, but I tell you what, you know, we, what we can hang our hat on is our, our behaviours that underpin it were outstanding. So making bringing those values to life for players are practical situations which they can they can they can, they're almost tangible they can see it they can feel it and again i i'm the first so i'm no expert on this at all um i i just find it a really fascinating area you look at leads at the moment what what is it they're outstanding at well you'd probably say it's unique their style of play what they the, the way they work is unique but it, it would seem to me he's got a really really tight environment and culture where the expectations for the players are set and the players have bought in and, and the skill of I suppose of a coach is to ensure the players are buying in to to their environment to to deliver success yeah I think what's interesting about that example is when they were in the championship they sold a few players quite early on in that journey and I think one of the lads I can't remember his name but he went out to Sampdoria and he was one of their better players. And I did see a few bits of people questioning it, going, why are we getting rid of him? But it almost seems like, as you said, the culture there is really good. And I saw an interview with Calvin Phillips yesterday, kind of obviously what he did really well last week. And the big takeaway I had from it was what a good person he seemed like. And um, I, I wonder whether, and I could be wrong, but those people that he got rid of maybe didn't necessarily fit in exactly with how he wanted to work. And that doesn't mean that they're not good players or not good people, but he probably has a very specific style and methodology of work and he knows how he wants people to fit into that. And if they don't, yeah. then he, he's fine to say, you know what, you can go somewhere else. That's fine. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's, it's fascinating. You, you look at, I suppose, look at Man City, look at any, any of those type of teams. Um, look at Man United under Ferguson. Um, all I, I would presume, I don't know, but most successful teams have an outstanding um, environment for the players to thrive and perform in. That, that would be my view. Um, then I guess sometimes that might be an organisational situation as well, where the whole organisation has that culture. It's not just a group of players in, in, in a small area of the programme. So uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Um, it's really it's a really interesting subject, and um, I, I certainly don't know enough about it, um, and I, I need to know a little bit more. Um, but I, but I would certainly say it, it, those, whatever the culture is, it, it and every every organisation has a culture. 
they might not always be um, effective, positive, and, and influential in the way that you want, you know. But clearly, everyone has an uh, does have one. Yeah. So look, looking, I guess, moving to something more your your repertoire and stuff. We actually skip past kind of what your role is now. So do you just want to tell people that have maybe not come across you what you currently do, and I guess what that kind of entails from a day to day, week to week basis? Yeah, I'm I'm head of coaching at Cardiff City at the moment. Um, so that that centres around our coaching program, our coaching curriculum, our principles of of, of play in the academy, um, our coaching philosophy, our playing philosophy, um, looking at how our principles of play drive other areas of our program. Um, so I, I feel really fortunate and to 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 be here. It's kind of I'm I've lived in Cardiff now for. 20 probably 23 years um so i have a huge affinity for for the club um and uh the talent we we believe we we have um, we're trying to develop much like every every other academy does um and so yeah that, there's 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 a lot of responsibility uh, I, I feel that that come with a role to to continue to drive uh, i suppose so who was I talking to? I had a meeting with um, on a coaching cell with with um, the Premier League on Wednesday, and we ended up. I don't know how we came to the point, but it was standing in my eyes. You know, stand. It, we're we're always going to consistently evolve. So you you take the program. Hopefully, the program's at a stage, and you're going right. How can we improve? How can we get better? And then you take it, try and take it to another stage. And the same question: How do we improve? How do we get better um, for our players? Um, that that's all it centres around for our players and our staff. Um, staff to to love coming into work. Players who thrive in in coaching sessions and coaching practices that align and link through the pathway. That thread from from top to bottom and, and bottom to top um, is 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 essential. So I I feel huge responsibility for the players and staff in our program. So when we're talking about we say quite a lot the Cardiff way or the principles that you guys go by what does that look like in your in your pathway what key factors would we see from a Cardiff City team um I I, I suppose we're, we're no we're, we're no different um everybody has there's so many consistencies in in development um there's there's a patience there's a there's a purpose, and, and with a patience, I mean, um, my my view. Um, other people at the club may disagree with me. Winning, in my eyes, is is irrelevant. Um, in in our program, I, it doesn't concern me at all. Um, teaching, seeing kids um, arrive, whether they're nine or or eighteen, loving coming in, desperate to 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 train and get better, with an enthusiasm that's coming from our coaches um and and let's say we've got a, a boy who comes in at six or seven and he he comes through to 16 and he still loves the game and loves football having been in our program then i'd probably say we're winning you know because along that pathway he's got better as a consequence of getting better he stays in our program um, and we've got a rounded well-rounded individual and person who's who's in the program based around our our teaching and and our go back to the points around values and beliefs we've got a really good rounded individual um so so that's winning in my eyes um teaching is is massively massively important um and and making sure that there's almost a a, a periodized approach to our teaching how 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 and when we intervene what what coaching styles and interventions we might adopt at certain times at different phases um you know and then equally in in the pro phase uh, the, the two coaches the two lead coaches in in the 18s and 23s will, will massively disagree with me i know on this but we'll, we'll lose games and i'm like, like i'll be honest you got 16s playing in your 18s you got a couple of 15s playing in it it's going to be tough that's all right because that's a massive challenge and a test for them if if we're if we're too concerned with the outcome of a game we don't promote best talent 
because we may be concerned about our image and our identity. So our best talent sits in the best age group, whereas from nine to, nine to 16, you'll, you'll have blocks of work where you promote talent to the age group above. No issue at all because the results aren't published. So if you get beat, that's fine. It was, it was a really good challenge and a good stretch for our third team playing in the four teams. He physically finds it tough. But we, we, we plan to give him that. Then you go into the, to the pro phase, you go, no, 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 because there's two league tables. And so we don't promote our 16s because we're worried about the league table. And I, I'm, I, I'm not our coaches, by the way, are not concerned about it. But you, you know when you get to that stage that they like winning and, and they like to see the league table. And, and for sure, I would say, look, if, if we're at the top of the league in the 18s because we've got six of our 16s in the squad and a couple of 15s along with our scholars and in our 23s, we've got four, three or four of our 18s playing up consistently. I go, great, brilliant, because that's a test and that's a challenge. If that's because we've got no 16s playing up and we've got no 18s playing up at the top of the leagues, so I'm going, I'm not sure. Is, is, are we developing here or, or are, we, are we managing a group of players to win? And they're, they're, in my eyes, they're two completely different contrasting perspectives. So that's what I hope um, will be, um, is one of the factors will be, we, we try to be different. And then the last one I would say is local talent, Welsh talent from South Wales, not, not looking to recruit um, players nationwide, but looking at, there, there will be times for sure that we, we might need um, some, some additional some players may crop up and, and we'll bring them into our 23s. That, that's going to happen for sure. But local talent, Cardiff City um, is, is um, historically a, a real hard, it's a hard working town um, with, with the docks and, and the coal mines up the valleys in our local community. Hard work is embraced um, from our supporters. And, and th those are the traits and characteristics we, we want to see in our players. And so if we can teach all of those factors in, in, in practice around the building and we can instill that mentality into our players, working with them, teaching them, then I don't think we'll go too far wrong. Um, and, and I say it all the time, we, we lose a game, that's all right, don't worry. It's not, it's not a problem. I, the, 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 key, the key win is getting those boys into the first team. That's all that matters. Okay, so there's a couple of questions off the back of that, but I'll start on this one. So, so you've been at a few different different clubs, different areas, you've been in Villa, Southampton, Watford, etc. Do you see cultural differences from club to club or region to region? So obviously you mentioned there in terms of the grounding of Cardiff City and what the people of the city inherently are like and what they want to see on a match day from their team. Do you <laughs> see that from the younger generations when you go from club to club? Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough question, isn't it? I, I'm not sure younger, younger, the younger children would maybe understand as much of, of historical, um, the, 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 almost the landscape of, of the locality. The, the best culture I'd probably seen was at Watford at the time. Um, I felt really lucky to work with some uh, hugely talented guys um, who've gone on and had, uh, who are now working at real advanced levels. And it, and do you know what? It was, it wasn't about the the slogan on the wall. It was about it was about the people pulling together uh, an understanding of of what it looked like. That that was probably the best by a long, long way. And I go back to my point: every club has a culture. Yeah, every club has a culture. Um, some of them are not as strong. Uh, some of them are different. They might be really strong cultures, but there, there may be some, uh, I suppose you don't always see it when you're in it, you know, yeah. um, is, is kind of how, how I would view it at times. Um, so no, the answer to your question, I would say that that was probably the tightest culture and, and going through where I've worked, you kind of see things you, it doesn't make me right, but you see things that you really like and you go, oh, I really like that. I'd, I'd like to use that. I'm kind of not sure about that. Um, and, and so picking those learnings up, uh, are really, really important. So it can't, everything can't stem around winning and everything can't stem around losing. It's the how and the why is, is how I, I view development. So, and I say that at the top end of the program, 
uh, how are we doing it and why are we doing it? And then what does success look like? They, they would be the three questions for me. And if we're supporting our players the, the, the right way and, and teaching is massively valued, then I'd probably say we wouldn't be too far away. What surprises me about that is you look at Watford and the diversity of people within that region, you could say you'd expect the identity not to be as clear, whereas somewhere like Cardiff, for example, you know, or South Wales, you've got that, that type that, of... That, 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 would, that would have changed very, very quickly, though, in, in a period of time. So um, I suppose the, the, the culture historically at that time, um, you had... Graham Taylor as um, chairman at the time. You had Sean Dyche as, as manager. Um, Nick Cox was was academy manager. Um, some with with a number of outstanding staff around. Ross Wilson was um, head of football operations. There was you had an outstanding group of talented staff, and so um, I, I I I sense that back in the time when Watford went through the leagues with Elton John and Graham Taylor, there was a, it was a community club. You know, it, it was, it was, uh, it was the focal point of, of the community. Um, it was a community club. Um, when, when I, uh, was fortunate enough to, to secure a poster, it was still a community club, um, that the academy had an important integral role in the overall plan of the business. And developing talent was essential. So when you when you look at it in that context, that's for me where the the culture and the environment came from. We knew we had a role to play, um, and and every department was hugely integrated within that overall and overarching structure and and um, an organisation. And so the, the 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 boys coming in from from different backgrounds and different areas all understood what it meant to be at Watford's Academy. It meant you'd get an opportunity if you, I think the mantra was one opportunity, no guarantees, which is, which is something I use now. Um, <clears throat> and, and it was, it was really important for the players at that time to understand it, but central to that opportunity was being a good person, understanding that learning and, and, and improving was, was part of it. Being really good at school and in doing your best was was essential. You know that 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 schools program was supported by the, the staff and and reinforced the players. That education was essential. So kids, the, the boys at the time would never miss college. Never. If there's a reserve game, they got college because education is important. We want to develop good young men here. So reserve games were not arranged on uh, on days when the boys were in college because that was that was deemed as, as essential so um i i just think there's there's those principles at play and 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 i mentioned earlier rules of engagement so yeah <clears throat> and then ultimately i suppose it was the people that brought it to life uh, that is that's, that's really interesting I, I like the thing about places emphasis are just simple not organizing games on those days and it you know it would transcend um so Obviously, you've mentioned around the winning and losing aspect and that there'll be other people that would suggest towards that top end of your 18s and 23s that actually, because they're getting to the first team level, we'd hope, they need to learn how to win. Um, and they need to be in a position where actually they understand how to win games because essentially if they go and play in the first team, that is what's important on a Tuesday or Saturday. What would your uh, perspective or viewpoint around that be? Um, yeah, I get it. It's the how, isn't it? So it's not win at all costs. It's not box it off and squeeze up and, and kick it long or turn them round. It's about, in, in, and this is purely my opinion, it's about doing it with a style. It's about doing it, it's about winning with teaching at the forefront. So so I've had this conversation a number of times with um, with a number of different people. So if we're teaching players to win, um, it's about, let's say, teaching the right back to ensure he understands how to defend the far post when the ball's been stood up. It's about teaching him how to handle contact and defend the switch of play. 
It's about teaching him how to dominate his wide player in 1v1 situations. So if you teach him all of those facets of the game, in the last 10 minutes when you might be 1-0 up, you're going to win the game because he's got a good understanding of how to defend the far post, how to defend crosses, how to defend 1v1. If winning is essential and the main focus of the whole aspect, are the boys brave enough to deal with the ball under pressure? Because that's psychological. That's, that's, that's not tactical. That's psychological. Can they deal with the ball under pressure? Yes, game management is important at that stage. So let's say five minutes before the end of the, of the first half or the end of the game, you've got to teach them how to, how to manage that moment of the game. Um, that said, they're all teaching points. So from minute one to minute 90, if, if it's only about winning, it's about winning, making good decisions, being brave enough to play, being brave enough to deal with the football. And then I would say, what, what, are we dealing play, what are we teaching players for? Are we teaching them to play in our first team or to go above our first team? You know, because uh, a real, real high-level attention to detail, I would suggest in, in any first team we, we, or any academy, we, we want to play. We're, we're developing them for our first team, for sure. We're also developing them to try and go and play in the Champions League to try and develop them to come play in, 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 in the international game. And so we can't be one-dimensional in what we teach them. We've got to teach them the game. We've got to teach them aspects of the game which are essential for success. Um, and, and so there would be an understanding of those characteristics of what it might take. So centre-backs, what, what do they need to do? Well, I would suggest to be at the top level of the game now, we've got to deal with football. Well, if we're so focused on winning and we stop rolling the ball to him, he ain't going to get better. It's not going to improve. He might get, he might get better at kicking it long or sticking it in behind. Or, or, but at the top level, when, when that ball gets dropped in behind, is he good enough to, to take a quick touch and start play again? Or is he not? And, and he's got to try and... Um, he's he's going to knock that ball out. Because at the top level, I would say they have to deal with the ball. And that, that's where I come from. So, well... They have to be able to deal with the football. And so if, if we're winning games by not rolling the ball or not throwing the ball and not trying to construct and develop, how are you developing your midfield players? Um, because to be a top midfield player in the modern game, you've got to deal with the football. You've still got to deal with second balls and you've still got to manage with being out of possession and you've still got to deal with um, certain areas. And I, I would also say, how do you make a decision on a young player if you don't have the ball for long spells. I'm not sure. I, again, I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe I've not got enough, enough experience in this, but um, I, I certainly feel, though, I watch age groups play, and if you deal with a ball, you've got a better idea who your better players are. That's, that's kind of how I view it, you know? And, and again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm right here, but style is the how that, that's the most important bit for me. It's, it's the style of, of how we want to try and win. Everybody has a style. Which is the best style to develop players? Is it biggest, strongest athletes to win the game? Or is it patience, purpose, and teaching? And I would, I would rather say the latter than biggest, the biggest, strongest wins a race today. But Brendan Rodgers would always say it's a silver medalist that comes through. And, and, and I, would, I would agree with that. Okay, so how do you manage individual development alongside team performance? So in some of the examples you've given there, which are really good, um, you might have a number four that struggles. Well, traditionally, he's a number four. He struggles a lot playing in pockets. So you say, okay, for a period of time, we're going to play him in that eight or ten role. The team performance and his performance is going to potentially drop. Yeah. But obviously the outcomes and learnings and teaching moments he's going to get during that period is going to increase. Yeah. How do you manage that across the pathway so that obviously you're still getting a level of performance that's required of an academy footballer, but you're also supporting him with his individual development? Well, I would always ask the question, how many players are you going to get in the first team? Are you going to get a team or are you going to get individuals? Fair point. Why do you say that? Well, the team needs to function for the individual to get better. 
So if if we've got um, a midfield player, he must have been in. Uh, if we've got a real development program, he can't have only played in that position through his pathway. You know, um, and so uh, that that's how I view it. Um, and so how do we integrate that in the week? Well, we don't focus on what the opposition are going to do on a Saturday in the older age groups. We don't worry ourselves with opposition analysis in, in the 18s and, and ask the analysts to watch three games of whoever we're going to play on Saturday because that's irrelevant to our players' development. Analyse our players, feedback to our players on themselves, um, on their own performance, on their individual development plans and make those individual development plans real and live and bring them to life. So they're not a document that sits on a laptop. They don't sit on a table in the office. They're really important to to generate and, and deem what success looks like. So, um, yeah, that that's kind of how I, I, I view it. Um, it's about individuals, isn't it? You know, if there's 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 different stages of learning, there's differentiation amongst the group. Um, and and yeah, I I I just I always feel that we we have to have teams to function. Apart from the class of 92, I'm not sure I know too many teams that have gone into a first team with seven, eight players in, in the same year. And yet we still get bogged down with the team. Coach the individuals to get better and then the team will improve. That That's kind of my, my stance on it. So do you cater that in your, I guess, team selection or player recruitment, for example? So if you... Let's look at the younger age groups, for example, where you might have physically more mature and less mature players. If you've got a very immature and late maturing group, would you get a couple of maybe or play up a couple of physically mature players to allow them more space to play or more time on the football rather than constantly being under pressure because they can't physically compete? Yeah, maybe. You play them across the age groups, I guess. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. What's the standard response from a from a scout? Got got a player coming in. What's he like? He's a big one. Standard. It's the talent that screams because they can affect the game. It's a standard response, you know. Whereas, get a team full of late developers and be patient, support them, and encourage them. Get a balance. They might need one or two in there to look after them, but not not more than one or two. I, I would say. And and be patient, teach them, coach them, and it goes back to the previous points we've had. Like is is you got us? We, we had a, a sixteen who played in the eighty in the twenty threes last year. We had we had some fifteens that played up. They found it really tough. The fifteens playing in the eighteens against Charlton found it really tough, but they survived. You know they survived, and we lost the game, but they would have gained a huge amount from that experience, and that then gives them a, a perspective on what the level above looks like two years before. So I, I would say that's, that's being brave enough to stick to and believe in what you're doing. Um, you know, that, that's kind of, uh, you look back to um, MK Dons, going back to when Deli Ali was in the team. Um, in their youth team, they they would. I'm sure I remember them taking some big, big losses. They believed in what they were doing, and they got a top player through it, top top player. Um, and and so if you believe, you got to believe in what you do, and and everybody has their own approach, and they'll have data to back it up. The the only data I think I need to see is who's getting in the first team at the end of the path, and that that's ultimately what development's about. You know, that, that that's that's quite simply my my view on it. Um, is improve the players, improve them as people, show them, teach them, help them, support them, make sure they love the game, make sure they love football, engage with them on their level, um, and 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 let them have some experiences that, good or bad, will be part of their teaching because it isn't always going to go well. You know, the, let's say the 15s that played against Charlton could have gone horrifically for them. They could have taken a big defeat, but we're aware of that when you make the decision. Yeah, so if if we're looking at kind of in, with this individualised support, what are you 
actually able to offer so what does you, their individual development plans actually look like are these formalized are they informal and i guess in a holistic environment with the multidisciplinary team what support are they able to access so i'll give you examples probably easily that say for example you've got a right-sided player right-sided midfield player who's currently struggling struggling with his delivery from wider areas yeah well I would say it depends on what age he's at. Um, so uh, at that level, you'd probably think that would be towards the end of, of his development path. Um, so his his program needs to centre around improving his development. If he's been in our system from a younger age, he should be technically where we'd want him to be. He should be athletically where he wants to be. And, and that might not just be a technical requirement. That that might be um, down to physicality. That might be down to confidence. So we need to, to pick out the reasons why. We need to be um, diligent enough to provide support and, and, and perhaps more importantly, engage the player in the conversation. So we're not going to tell you what you're going to do. What do you think you need to work on? We, we, we have an idea. What do you, how do you feel? What, what do you believe would take you your, your level to, to the next stage? Um, and then allocate the support around that and, and make sure that those sessions, in, in, in all of those sessions, if it's, let's say, I'll give you an example. We, 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 I, I used to work, I worked with a centre forward who was a big lad, super, super kid, um, needed to improve his heading because that, that was the type of player he was going to be. My conversation with a sports scientist a guy called Peter Sharp, who was without shadow of doubt the best I've ever seen, because he understands what development looks like. It's not it's not numbers. He, he does the numbers and he does the data, but he understands what development looks like. And and I said to him um, in a discussion about the players, you look, we need to improve his heading. So to begin with, it's going to be static. To to think about take off foot, to think about um, articulating and understanding his his body when he's when he's in flight. And then we'll then we'll move it to 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 on the move, um, but it, it, everything is seems such an effort. And 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 Peter's response was, yeah, that's because his thoracic mobility is not great. Okay, so what I'll do is I'll put a development program in place around his thoracic mobility and around his hips as well, and then that will align with what his development plan is going to look like because I'm going to work with that over a ten week block. So we should just it shouldn't just see an improvement in his technical requirements there should be a, a bit more freedom in his movement it might be 20 weeks but that that was a joined up approach because we at the time there was a, the, the sports scientist had a real clear idea of what development looked like you know and how his role had an impact on physical development so he would actively speak to the analyst on a saturday on the side of the pitch and go, can you clip that for me please so we could then reference look this is what I'm saying to you about what this is why we're working on these sessions in the week around around your, your, your movement of, of your core and your trunk. All right, this is the example in the game. Can you see that? Yeah, my God, I, I didn't even know. Well, therefore, we're increasing by and that that for me is a sports scientist who can develop um, develop players as well. So it's not a coach led program. It's um, it's a program that's led by all of the staff working within it. Um, so that that's how I would look at an individual development plan. And how do you manage that? Um, I guess because that's if you've got like twenty five players in a group, maybe scrap the goalkeepers because goalkeeper coaches are going to work with a multidisciplinary team differently. How do you manage that with like the other twenty three to ensure that they're all getting the same level of support? You have to give them the same level of support. You have to otherwise don't take 25 you know that if, if you're making a if, if my boy goes into school and is given less support than somebody else as a parent you're not going to be happy so that's that's giving equal opportunity um they might not all get there but they've got to get equal time so having a, a try then creating an environment where the players are driving their own clips. So pulling clips out linked to their IDP, coming in to speak to the coach, 
on um on, on at a set point in the week so look this is your time slot on a monday afternoon so we might not train monday afternoon but we're going to have dedicated time for for 10 minutes bring your clips in every monday send them across let's review them i i think is um is essential so that, that I, I you have to find a way it's because any any coach um i suppose if if we've got a coach in the 14s of whatever age group says he's going to play in our first team i'm not sure i could tell you who's going to play in our first team from the 18s and 23s <laughs> we don't know they're going to come back in pre-season they'll have grown they'll have developed they'll have changed um, emotionally, they'll have they'll have maybe have matured, or you know, there'll be a, so many factors at play. So we don't know who's going to get in the first team. We don't know what that's going to look like. So if you don't give it and 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 afford every player the access to that, then we're doing the players a disservice. So, in terms of what time you're able to give them during the week, you mentioned there kind of that ten minutes we're bringing the clips. Would you chase them up? to do those clips or would it be uh like this is your time slot if you don't use it that's down to you 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 need to get to that stage don't you because you you um you you need a players to to have the, a buy into their development you know so the access to pulling clips out can be done away from the from the academy they get the clips they they can do that at home um <clears throat> they can they can send them across you can review them um one 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 aspect of of covid has been this video calls so there's there's no issue why learning can't take place when they're at home um with with having a video call so um being creative is is essential uh, then having a real desire to try and make them make the make the boys better is is crucial and then i suppose there's points where if you've got a real clear principle of 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 play and, and how you want to work you you then have unit meetings around what it is we're trying to increase understanding around you know so yeah i, I just think you have to make time you have to make time if, if the program's about the boys then make sure it's about the boys and looking at your your weekly schedule, do you factor on pitch time for them to go and work on those sessions? And are those sessions it, the old age groups, say under 18s and the 23s? Do you factor in a half an hour period where they can go and design and deliver their own IDP sessions with a coach? Yeah, so, the guys, yeah, so the guys will will we're to be fair to um, blocks and and, and rammers, they're, they're really creative in pulling those together. So it's usually a uh, uh, two days after a game they'll come in and, and it's an idp session as, as one of them in the week um which is the, which the boys should know about um they they pull their clips out and feedback so it's 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 really important um and it's it's important then that over the over the younger age groups that we're teaching techniques and skills that are essential irrespective of where they might end up playing so again I, I would say we don't know if an under 10 who might be playing as a defender is going to be a defender when he's 14 so we can't be teaching that early specialization of right he needs to work out and pass it into to a four he, he just we just need to teach him how to pass it and receive it and release it you know and and, and have skills and techniques that are essential whether he evolves whether he gets so when he gets the experience of playing as a, as a front player or a wide play same techniques are applied um yeah and so i guess it, this challenge because it changes from coach to coach and obviously particularly at top level is ever changing in terms of first team managers but is that similar program allowed at a first team level so are they allowed the opportunity to have idp type stuff idp type clips yeah but again those will be pulled they, they, they will pull those out and feedback so they're, they're there and, and available for access. So then I guess the, the next question is, how do you go around managing all of this? 
you know it's a lot of the individual development stuff and you've mentioned a lot about the periodization of your coaching methods and all that type of stuff with different coaches coming in the building who are going to have different methodologies in the way they coach if i look at tottenham for example they're looking for every coach under the sun at the moment and we've gone from going Mourinho, who has a very pragmatic seems like very direct in the way he speaks to his players to there was ten hag to this Fonseca, who was very different and expansive to Gattuso, who is a bit of a maniac from what I've seen on the pitch, to God knows who it's going to be now. So how do you prepare your players, I guess, on a human level to carry on doing their IDP stuff, but also have a relationship with the manager in whatever way they, they act or whatever their personality type is? Um, it's a good point. Does that not come down to the type of people you've got? How do you mean? Well, you, you, you're trying to create and develop individuals who um, individuals who are invested in their own progress and development. So, if they're invested in their own development, it's it's, it's much like a school, isn't it? So, so I I, I always try to rightly or wrongly think about what would it look like for my lad at school well i i would say um the teacher's got a class of 23 children well you can't manage those children every practical session there has to be some investment from from the teachers from the children to to respect the teachers set the work you now have to go away and work at that yourself you have to, and then when you need some support, they would ask for it, right? Is that massively different to what we would expect in, in an academy? We want players to be making, they make decisions on the grass on their own. They make decisions in possession, out of possession, from, from their own understanding and learning. Well, we can't now be driving those programs. So that has, they have to be supported by us led by the players with the coaching and wider team facilitating um, that that environment for them to ensure that learning is taking place. Yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting dynamic that because obviously, naturally, people get on with certain individuals better than others. Yeah. And you, I could ask for a certain level of facilitation or support or yeah. particular facilitation or support, which my previous first team manager was more yeah. than happy to provide and go, yeah, that's absolutely fine. I can give you the space to do that. We're not going to do any shape work. You can go away and practice and finish in. The new guy that comes in a week later after your first team gap has just been sacked is like, no, 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 we're doing 45 minutes worth of shape work. You're going to have to find an alternative time for that. And it would challenge them and the players to adapt to what this new manager wants. So I think that's a really interesting dynamic of how younger players navigate that moving into that first team environment yeah so so how do we how do we encourage them to be adaptable in the younger age groups how would we do that how do you what, what would your thoughts be on that well i guess one exposure to different types of coaching and different types of people and i guess right. and coming into your role is the periodization of coaching interactions so maybe over a season you go for this six-week block, be more command, this be more Q&A, guide to discovery. So there's a structure in place. Or, or it's phase-specific. So at, at younger age groups, there would be more command, wouldn't it? Maybe uh, as you move into the youth phase, it'd be more cooperative learning, uh, some uh, huge amount of guided discovery. And then when you get towards the tail end, you'd be trying to challenge their learning. So it's not, it's not telling. It's kind of asking. So I think it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Perfect. Listen, Dave, that we could go on about this all day, but I'm conscious we're, we're fast approaching the time we allotted. So last question for, for me, which is something I ask everyone, which is who's the best player or coach you've worked with or against and why? Oh, good question. God, I'm not sure about coach I've worked with. Um, Thought Garrett Williams was was outstanding. Um, Gareth Taylor was was excellent, in, 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 both in different ways. Carl Darlington was was an outstanding coach. Um, 
a, it's a tough. I, I'm not sure I could give an answer on that. Best coach I've worked with. Um, best player. There's, there's different stages, I, I suppose, in, in that last question. If I think back, so I started at, at Shrewsbury. We had Connor Goldson in the youth team. John Taylor, Tom Bradshaw, Ryan Ryan Woods. Um, Connor Goldson had an outstanding mentality. Was a fantastic young player with huge potential. Um, Watford. I'm trying to think of the guys there. You know, you had Bernard Mensah, Alex Kubiak. Um, guys who went on and, and had careers. Wales, I mean, I think of, of Wales, really. Um, Tyler Roberts, Ethan Ampadu all, all had something different. Um, the, probably the, the biggest and uh, most significant development I saw was, was um, Jacob Ramsey at, at Aston Villa. Um, Jacob was playing in the 18s and 16 and found it, found it a challenge and a stretch. Um, but his growth and development over two years was, was exceptional. Um, great kid, lovely young man, one great family, really supportive and, and embraced the challenge because ultimately development's a challenge. He said it to a, par a parent, a player two days ago. We, we have to ensure we're equipping kids to climb Mount Everest in, with, with the tools to, to get to the top. You can't do that in flip-flops. And, and, and unfortunately, there's no elevator on the side that takes you straight to the top. You've got to put the hard yards in. And when you get there, you've got to stay there. Perfect. Listen, Dave, really appreciate your time and hopefully catch up with you again soon. No problem. Thanks for listening to the Sports Initiative podcast with me, Michael Wright. Please remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the Sports Initiative podcast and share this podcast with friends and family. I'll see you next week.